Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. Studio 54, or I guess I should say episode 54, uh, for for future considerations. My name is Matt. Manny and John are here as well, boys. Always a pleasure to see you. Hey, the two guys that name starts with M's have never been at Club 54, but John, please regale us about your time at Club 54. (laughs) Studio 54. Studio 54. Yes. Weren't you in that movie? (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how's it going boys good good you? you were a you were a stand-in for somebody in that film weren't you <laughs> that's right a body double <laughs> that's right that's how you made the big bucks that's right <laughs> how's everybody's week been all good over here how about you guys good lots of barbecuing wow that's good that's I gotta good. charge my phone three times a day just to keep up on the world of sports. I tell you, it's been a busy week. Very busy week. Yeah, in all sports, and what a week for hockey fans! After we talked about the expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken and previewed the NHL draft, the fireworks haven't really stopped since. Yeah, we want to thank. Uh... Mark Edwards and Jerome Barube from HockeyProspect.com. They joined us last week, got us ready for the draft, and that was pretty exciting too. Yeah, and uh, speaking of exciting, a big shout out to uh, Wyatt Johnston of the Windsor Spitfires, selected 23rd overall by the Dallas Stars. Former guest, had a chance to talk to him before that, uh, so you can go back and listen to episode 49 uh, when Wyatt joined us and had that conversation. Did you guys watch the draft at all? I did not. I was at my my sister's house and uh, trying to entertain my children. And by entertain, I mean put them to sleep. Um, but was tracking the names and uh, and saw a few familiar faces and a few familiar names on there. So uh, was uh, was always good to see those those guys and those names show up. Yeah, John Butchergrass hosted uh, round one, and I thought he was fantastic. Sam Cosentino, I thought was great. Um, Sam is a good friend of the podcast. We're going to get him on to you. have been talking to him. His energy level was great. So when he talks about these junior hockey prospects, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I watched a bit of that and uh, I was impressed, actually. I think that's, I guess that was an NHL network presentation. It was on Sportsnet and on ESPN. I was watching it on both. Yeah, big shout out to all the players drafted on the weekend. And we will get some of them on as guests as well in upcoming podcasts. Yeah, exciting for them, and and just a step in the process for those that that didn't hear their name uh, over the weekend. Something that you can rub in all these other teams' faces eventually when uh, when you get the chance. So, <laughs> right, it's it's just a number, right? It, it gives you more fuel to the fire to prove everyone wrong. I, I always thought it was funny when. Uh, People talked about, you know, they were a fourth round pick or a seventh round pick. And I mean, uh, if you're the first round pick, there's pressure. If you're the second round pick, there's pressure. There should be pressure for the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round pick players. 
And the one that didn't get picked is the one that's supposed to come in with the chip on their shoulder and, and ready to knock everybody off. So, you know, for, for some kids, and, and I know some kids that in the OHL have not been drafted, the NHL have not been drafted, and they end up going on to having pretty successful careers because at this point they got nothing to lose. Yeah, you know what? Something that stood out for me was Mark Giordano last week for the Seattle Kraken when he was picked. He actually said, this is the first time I've been drafted. Here is a Norris Trophy winner didn't get drafted into the O, didn't get drafted into the NHL, and look what he's done in his career. So if you didn't hear your name called on the weekend, don't worry about it. It's just more fuel to the fire. Yeah, you look at a guy like, uh, if you go back a ways too, as I always refer to the Vancouver Canucks, but you look at a guy like Alex Burroughs too, spent years plugging away in the AHL and then comes up and has a pretty decent few years in the NHL, a pretty serviceable NHL player after having not been drafted. Joel Ward, the list could go on and on and on. And uh, we got several messages and emails from people about our mock draft. Some people laughing at us for our picks, but others saying that their mock drafts were just as bad as ours. Hey, we were two for two in the first two picks. Yeah, I thought we were fine. We were around most of those names. We were saying most of the names. We're not in the war rooms. Guys, come on. What are you expecting from us? (laughs) This is where you're going for your hockey analyzing? Come on. (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, just, we had the names just in the wrong order yeah that's <laughs> fine that's pretty good i think <laughs> and uh matt you also got an email from joey who wants a public apology after, <laughs> after you called Giannis a bum he said it was worse than uh my take on chris weber so well i before we get even started on that i need a public apology from joey for a few years back but <laughs> <laughs> Look, I said Giannis Remember like, Chicago? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I do, when you left. Um, <laughs> I, I said Giannis looked like a baby. I thought he came across as a, as a non-playoff performer in the conference finals, and he must have posted uh, those words in the locker room or something like that because he had a great final. Still don't love the celebration portion of it at the end that we never really ta- touched on, but I'm, I'm not a Giannis fan, but he was pretty good for sure. And let's see what kind of feedback we can get for this episode. Since uh, we're only doing one episode this week, there will be no overtime this week. So we'll we'll try to be twice as entertaining on this show. Oh, we're always entertaining. We invite you to be a part of the conversation too. You can email us at forfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. And you know where the party never stops is on social media. If you get a chance to follow us on podcast, FFC on Twitter and Instagram, and For Future Considerations on Facebook, all the videos, the articles, the stats that you need to know about all of your favorite teams in literally every sport. I think we had Croatian handball in there at some point last week. (laughs) We got the whole thing covered. So find us on all of our social media platforms as well. We had a seagull flying into a bird or a girl on a woman's face on a roller coaster. Dear God. (laughs) You know, I watched that new Saw movie uh, last night and that bird in the the roller coaster may have been scarier than any of the uh, (laughs) pranks that they had on that show. I'll tell you that. Two thumbs down. Two thumbs down. For the for the Saw movie. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was bad. It's uh, it's all right. Chris Rock uh, is it's 
weird to look at Chris Rock as a serious person in those types of movies, but I thought he pulled it off. There was a nice little twist at the end, left it open for another one, grossed the hell out of me about three or four times. It did everything that the Saw movies are supposed to do. Just a sidebar for a second, Matt. Do you remember you and I watching the first Saw movie? I'll never forget with it. another <laughs> friend. You want to talk about needing a public apology? I need a public apology for what happened that night. <laughs> well, I don't even know this story. So we watched this movie. I had I had seen it, and the other person had seen it, and I don't think anybody else had. And there was, a, what it was, five or six of us or something like that that were watching it. So we're watching the first one. I thought it was fantastic. It's rolling along. and The, the credit music is playing at the end. Legit. No one has any idea what's going on. John Rashad looks at us in the group and says, I, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Everyone in here is, in, in this room is dead. And the other person that we were with said, or are they? And at that oh. moment is the massive twist that starts the whole beauty that is the Saw movies, literally ruined with 45 seconds left in the movie. <laughs> like, she may have, she literally said, game over, before Jigsaw did, <laughs> and ruined the whole night. I was so, I was so mad. I was so and mad. And she left the room afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, that was probably the angriest I've ever seen Matt. I was so mad. <laughs> he just threw up his hands. That's great. Let's reenact it. So let's mad. try to get let's try to get Matt <laughs> mad on this podcast. Let's well, we're gonna be talking some baseball, so you know. Oh great. Fantastic. You know what I can't stand, Rashad? Play the music. You know what I- <laughs> So yeah, we have some baseball to get Matt going. We also have uh, football to talk about on the show this week. We're also going to talk about the Olympics, but uh, we can't play any clips because the IOC will make us and our families disappear if we use it. <laughs> yes, but they will. Oh yes, <laughs> we'll be. It'll be saw four with yes. us. <laughs> tell, tell Jimmy Hoffa I said hi. <laughs> and we also have some more requests for pump it or dump it. But let's start with hockey. Uh, Wednesday marks the start of free agency in the NHL. But as I mentioned earlier, a lot of fireworks already. So let's start with the draft. Matt, your Red Wings uh, did get a goalie in the first round. How do you think they did? I thought they had a pretty good draft. Uh, they they seem to continue on with the trend with big puck-moving defensemen. I mean, they, they get Simon Edvinson, who, who falls in their lap there at, at six, and, and I think that's a great pickup for them. If you know Nobody else seems to want the next Nicholas Lidstrom. We'll take him, and, uh, and I'm sure he's going to look real good on that that back line with Morris Sider for you know hopefully an extended period of time. The goalie thing, I mean, I wanted a, a wall stat more so on just the stuff that I'd read about. That's not a knock on Casa. Um, everything that you read about him is is very positive. They love that size. That seems to be a Steve Eiserman type goaltender, as you see that in Vasilevsky, and it just seems like he's trying to build Lightning 2.0, and they're pretty good. So I'm okay with the Iser plan at this point. The Iser plan. Oh my God. I hope this doesn't become a thing. That's a terrible name. <laughs> terrible name. His it name is Iserman. Be- and so yes, they say Iser plan. <laughs> I get it. Doesn't make it right. <laughs> You're making me mad. We're supposed to make Matt mad. What's going on? It's a lot better than the Berger plan these days. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Well, that's another thing, but 
I think it started when the the whole drop started for the Wings when they stole Nedeljkovic from Carolina. Like that was a great pickup for only a third round pick. You need now you have time for your goaltender to develop. Kosa is a big goalie at a career year in the dub. Uh, they got a good old Windsor Spitfire, Pasquale Zito, who I really, really like. He's got a great motor, skates really well. The only thing I want to see the Wings do now is start building up center. Yeah. Uh, they've got Larkin, and they really don't have anybody else at the center position. They didn't really address forward until the third round. Until the I third. Think. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I like the first two picks. If if Who am I to say you're wrong if you think Kosa is better than Wallstedt? I'm I'm happy that they actually traded up later in the first round to get the goaltender. Yeah, because they felt that strongly about it. I love those types of moves. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm a big fan of that, and and yeah, absolutely. There's still work to be done. Um, I hope they kind of follow in the trend over the next little bit of giving some of these younger kids uh, some extended ice time finding those one to two year guys that you can hopefully hit on that might have trade value uh, over the next couple years but it's time pretty soon I wouldn't say this coming year probably not going to say next year but it's time to start putting the foot down on the gas pedal a little bit because Dylan Larkin for me gets a bad rap in Detroit he comes in with that pressure of being the captain of being the first real draft pick that hit in the last little bit if you're a Stanley Cup contending team I think Dylan Larkin is your third line center and they've got a lot to of work to do uh, to make that a reality yeah he's got nobody else there right no and and it just falls on him because legit like you said there was nobody else he was sold as the future he had a very good rookie year uh, he has kind of fallen off offensively over the last couple of seasons i think he's still a good responsible player i think he's a very serviceable nhl player he's absolutely not a star and he's absolutely not the kind of guy that's going to win you a stanley cup being on your first couple of lines but i don't think the the wings are there yet but they are I think starting to get towards unlocking that window where in two, maybe three years, it's going to be time to step on the gas, like I said. And Manny, your team, the Montreal Canadiens, made headlines by taking Logan Mayu, the player who asked teams not to draft him after he was fined in Sweden for sharing a photo without uh, someone's consent of a sexual encounter. Uh, what did you think of that move? Oh, terrible move. I was disgusted by it. Um, I don't even know where to begin because I'm so mad about this. Um, like the victim here, let's let's start with that. She's being violated all over again because this story has made headlines in the hockey world. Um, and really, I think the decision by the Montreal Canadiens shows a lack of respect to the women that work within the organization as well as the women who are fans of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, listen, the 17-year-old, we saw the press conference, the news conference the following morning on Saturday. He, he looks sincere in saying that he was apologetic and he was remorseful for his actions. But has anybody talked to the victim? Because that's all that matters, right? Is she accepting of the apology? Does she feel that he has shown some remorse? And I don't know if the Montreal Canadiens have done that. I, I guarantee that they have not done that. Um, Mark Bergevin said the word unacceptable four times on Friday night when it, talking about the pick in like 12 minutes. Um, but yet he still found it was acceptable to make the draft pick. That's where 
I really have a problem with this. This can't just be a hockey decision. The hockey side of things shouldn't outweigh the behavior. And I, what repercussions has Logan Mayu faced? You know, look, the statement that was released by the Montreal Canadiens. If, first of all, if you have to write a statement before drafting, you probably shouldn't be drafting that player, right? But the statement talks about repercussions, so like making sure that players know that their actions have consequences and repercussions. Logan Mayu has faced no repercussions. He's paid a fine, and he's still an NHL first-round pick. That's what bo- it bothers me to no end, guys. And I think the one response that really triggered it for me uh, in in the way that Montreal was talking, and, and I don't think this was something that Mark Bergevin said publicly, but was was coming around afterwards, is that several teams were looking at taking him in the second round, and to me, Montreal felt like not only that, but they were they were potentially losing a star player um, to a, another team in the second round, uh, and and that's where I I get that uh, as well. Why did the Montreal Canadiens feel like it was so concerning that they could lose out on Logan Mayo because they had heard that other teams were going to take him in the second round? Let them take them. Yeah, let them, let them take him. Sorry, Matt. You're one of the most storied franchises in all of hockey. Yeah. And you're you're put up there on a pedestal to talk about the character of your franchise, and then you do this. Let the other teams take them. I'm with you, Matt. Sorry. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's going to be for them to answer. But for for Montreal to have so much volition in taking him, knowing what this is going to do, and having to prepare these statements, having to talk about this, and I mean, this is just the start. Uh, this is the, especially in this market. This is not going to go away, nor should it be allowed to go away. Um, and they're going to have to continue to talk about it. You had that much belief in either talking to this kid that it was either something completely, as you said, unacceptable, but you're okay with it, or you know, you're, you think it's something that you can help resolve or he can show remorse or you can work with it. Like, guys, that does not sound like a first-round pick to me, no matter the issue let alone what he did. If I'm investing that much time and money and and energy into not only that, but helping this guy improve himself as as a person, that's not a first-round pick. And for him to have get selected in the first round is another, again, just another shrug of, yeah, but he's a hockey player, or yeah, but he's an athlete, or yeah, but he's a movie star, or yeah, but he's a director, or, you know, what, whatever it is, all of these learning experiences are doing absolutely nothing to change anything because, as you said, Logan Mayu has not paid for this in any way, shape, or form. We did pose, sorry, John, we did pose the question on our Twitter feed, too, and asked people on the weekend what they thought about it. And 62.5% said the Habs should be the shamed of the pick, where still 21% was there the team deserves a second chance. Maybe he does deserve a second chance, just not for a team that I'm a fan of. Yeah. Well, for me, um, I've heard a few people say, oh, he's a kid, he made a mistake. And to me, I don't know, if you're going to do something online, making a mistake is forgetting an attachment to an email. The number of steps that he had to take 
to get this, to take the picture without her knowing, to save it, to upload it, to tell all of his teammates about it, to share it, then to identify her. That's not a mistake. That's a lot of steps. That's a lot of planning. And that's, to me, that's not a mistake. And then one of the other takes that I've seen a lot of is um, even people who are against this pick, they're like, well, I have a daughter, so I know this is wrong. And it's like, I have a dog and I know this is wrong. Like, do you need to have a daughter to know that ruining someone's reputation is not good? Like, I I don't know. It's, I'm stunned that the Montreal Canadiens would associate themselves with him. And then I did see a clip or um, an article somewhere. Um, she was interviewed. The victim was interviewed in Sweden. And she said the initial apology for him was two sentences and a text message. And she didn't think it seemed sincere. It's yeah. not. If that's, that's all it was, it's not. That's not. And, you know, not to, to continue on with it, Ian uh, Mendez, who's a reporter and, and has covered pretty much everything in the world and highly regarded, I've been fortunate enough to have some time to actually pick his brain a little bit and talk to him. He had had a great clip uh, that I'd seen over the last uh, couple of days here. And like you said, he's a... Uh, he's a teen or, you know, this is a learning experience or whatever it is like, and, and his point to, to be perfectly exact was women are not learning experiences. Like this is not where you go to make a mistake or oops. Oh, it's okay. I just did this. Or I, I just did that. That's not how this works. Like that is, that is not how any other human being needs to be treated. That's not a learning experience. That is, you know, in, in some cases, ruining or, or, you know, destroying someone's life future is not a learning experience, especially when, end of the day, you're a first-round NHL pick, you're going to go to camp, you have a chance of making this team, and no one's going to seem to, you're always just going to be that guy, but no one's going to really seem to matter, in Montreal at least. Disgusted. A Friday night, I was disgusted, guys. And um, getting to the rest of the draft, my team didn't even make a draft pick. The Canucks traded the number nine pick, as well as some expiring contracts to Arizona, for Oliver ekman Larson and Connor Garland. And then the Canucks signed Garland to a five-year deal worth about $5 million a year. Vancouver also traded Nate Schmidt to Winnipeg and are looking to get out of Brayton Holtby's contract. What do you guys think of those moves? I like Connor Garland. I think you're going to like him. I, I think he's he's a good player, uh, and I think he's going to be a serviceable player up there while you guys uh, get some of the, the young players going. Uh, Oliver ekman Larson again, may just be a change of scenery there. You might uh, get lucky as long as he stays healthy. Um, the Nate Schmidt deal seems, you know, again, like you said, a salary dumper clearing some space. If you can get rid of Braden Holtby's contract, I think that's a winning offseason for the Canucks. Guys, I don't like it. Uh, I don't, I'm not a huge Canucks fan, John. I leave that in your category, but, um, <laughs> neither you know, is I, he, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you still got Ekman, Lar- you still got Arizona to take a million a year off Ekman Larson's contract, but that's 7 million a year that you have to pay for the next, what, five years. I like Connor Garland. I think he fits in your top six, Matt. I like what you said about that, but I don't know if I pay him 5 mil a year. Like, I mean, he, he may put up big numbers playing with Pedersen and Besser and Horvat. Like, I think he fits there. But I think what your boy is trying to do here, John, is make up for the fact that he didn't offer Tyler to Foley a contract. And now he's got Connor Garland there. Who's on your defense? If you're trading away Schmidt, you've got Hughes, Ekman Larson, Myers. Help me out. Who's next? Yeah. 
right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. okay, so you're getting rid of Holtby, so you need to find a backup. You've uh, this just speaks volumes to me that you're trying to clear cap space to sign Hughes and Pedersen, right? Yeah. yeah. But th- but then I don't know how deep your club is, and by getting rid of Beagle and Louis Erickson and who's the other guy that you guys traded to Arizona. Um, your those contracts were off the books next year, and now you've got to pay Ekman Larson for the next five years, and now Connor Garland for the next five years. I don't like the move for you guys. Yeah, the uh, the bright spot that some people in Vancouver are saying, and you have to go to the forty first pick to come up with Klimovich, who's a right winger and a center, so not help on defense, but uh, he's big. And he's got a good shot. And uh, that's what people are hanging their hat on in Vancouver to uh, justify. So is he going to play defense for you guys this year? The 41st pick? (laughs) Nope. He's playing right wing or center. Oh, so who's playing defense? Uh, Jalen Chatfield, I'd like. But I don't know if he's a fourth D. They might be asking me at the rate they're going. Do you like it? Like, this is your team, John. I know you're always pessimistic, but... Yeah, I always... I don't like it when it's like, okay, well, this might work out. He might work out. That might work out. Because I find a lot of those things... You need a lot of little pieces to come together to formulate a winning team. And, boy, I don't know. I don't I don't see it. But. This, this, to me, is Jim Benning uh, name-grabbing uh, at the end of the rope for him. Uh, I think he signed these contracts, um, five-year deals, five years left. I will take the the heavy favorites uh, being the players that they're going to be there in five years and Jim Benning is not. I think he's stretching for some names. I hope he, I think he's trying to hit, but um, and I think that's entirely possible as well. I'm a little more optimistic on this deal than than Manny and, of course, Rashad are. But uh, <laughs> but I think this is this is one last kick at the can for Jim Benning before he goes out the door. He's not overly concerned with the length of deals and such because I don't think he's going to see any of these through. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, there were plenty of other moves in the NHL. We won't touch on all of them, but I did want to get your thoughts on Marc-Andre Fleury. We keep saying he's such a great goalie, and uh, every week other people seem to disagree with us, so he was uh, traded by Vegas to Chicago. Rodine out in front. Here's a chance. What a save! Fleury maybe is best on Kaprizov. And Fleury is now considering retirement because he didn't want to move his family to another city. What do you guys think? Well, this the whole thing, the way it came down, stinks, doesn't it? Like, uh, I, I saw the news conference from Kelly McCrimmon, the GM of the Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday, and he talked about how he had a conversation with Fleury at their exit meeting at the end of June. They talked about Chicago being a destination three times on July 12th, but yet the news still got out. Fleury still found out on Twitter, and I just don't think... That's how you treat a Vesna Trophy winner, a Stanley Cup winner, a Hall of Famer. That's not how you treat him. You keep it under wraps and you let him know before the word gets out. It's a pure salary dump by Vegas. $7 million a year is what Fleury makes. They just signed Alex Martinez, so they're over the cap. They needed to make a move to get under the cap. I saw Fleury released a statement on Tuesday night. No mention of Chicago at all. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play, but something tells me that Jonathan Taves 
is going to convince Marc-Andre Fleury to play for the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks are trying to make one more run with Taves and Kane. They added Seth Jones. The Kirby Doc is coming back from injury. Now you've got the defending Vesna Trophy champ in goal. Chicago's trying to make a run here because they know their window is closing with these guys. I like the move by Chicago, especially since they gave up basically nothing, a minor league forward for him. Yeah, I love the deal for Chicago, and I wholeheartedly think Marc-Andre Fleury is going to play there next year. I, I'm surprised by the way that Vegas handled this, and, and obviously for Marc-Andre Fleury, the writing was on the wall, so to speak. Uh, we talked about this in the playoffs. There was something about him and that franchise that he is just not trusted the way that he should be. And we've seen that throughout his career. He was drafted first overall, and he was not very highly touted at that point. Then he won a Stanley Cup. Then he was a choker in the playoffs. Then he was a backup and won two Stanley Cups. Then he gets picked first overall by Vegas. Has an outstanding start with them where he's rejuvenated his career. He gets replaced at the drop of a hat in playoff games for really no reason. And, and then... You know, this happens. There, There's something about Flurry and Vegas that I don't think we'll ever really realize. I think that Marc-Andre Fleury right now is just more angry about how things happened than looking at what the Chicago Blackhawks could possibly present for him. Um, but it, all in all, yeah, it's, it's a very strange move by Vegas. The only thing that I would suggest or consider is the way that news leaks in the media, and we saw this in the uh, expansion draft, this is very easily a text while Kelly McCrimmon is on the phone. These deals don't just happen in five minutes calling each other back and forth. This is probably a lead, a lead, hey, done deal. I don't know why that bleeds out from front offices into media so much. It happens all the time. Players now more often are finding out on social media that they've been dealt. Certainly a, a, a bad look for the Golden Knights, but I really don't think this is a bad situation for Marc-Andre Fleury as long as he's getting the option of playing and he's not going to Chicago to be a backup where that goaltender in Chicago just was just a, a Calder finalist or, or could have been a, a Calder finalist. Yeah, I th- I think they're getting Flurry to be their number one, right? When was the last time we saw a Vesna Trophy winner traded? Dominic Hasek to Detroit in 2001. The other thing that gets me, you talk about how something didn't mesh with Vegas. Even the GM and the owner have said Marc-Andre Fleury is their most popular player. And yet he's treated this poorly, right? Like they have... Th- I think he's their number one. I know you talked about Kevin Lankinen, the the rookie netminder who was great, but I I think Fleury's their number one. And because Lankin is so good, you don't have to play the crap out of Fleury during the yeah. regular season. Like, save him like you did, Carey Price did for the playoffs. And Chicago makes a run here. I, I like it for the Hawks. So do I. And I don't think there's going to be any doubt that Fleury is going to, if, if Fleury retires, it's because he is done. I don't think it's going to be because of Chicago. I think Chicago is actually a pretty decent landing spot. Yeah, and it looks good for Chicago, too. You have Fleury for a couple of years or a year or two until uh, he decides to retire. And then you've had him mentoring your up-and-coming goalie for when your rebuild is complete. And uh, you look good for the future. Um, Also, Seth Jones, Adam Boquist, 
Alex Nedeljkovic, Brandon Dillon, Pavel Buchnevich, Sam Reinhart, Jakub Voracek, all traded. I'm sure I'm missing someone. Uh, which NHL teams do you think improved themselves over the last week? Hey, you did it all in one take. That's all that matters, Rashad. Attaboy, Rashad. That was, that, was, that was Manny's middle finger right up at you, and you you send it right back to him. Good for you. Attaboy. <laughs> I think the Winnipeg Jets have gotten better. Um, I like their moves uh, for for the defensemen. I think that's a great deal to get Brandon Dillon for a couple of second-round picks. Uh, you mentioned Pavel Buchnevich. I think St. Louis gets a heck of a player in him uh, for Sammy Blaze and a second-round pick. Doesn't seem like a, a ton to ask there. I think uh, the Philly has actually had a pretty good offseason. You get Cam Atkinson, Ryan Ellis is in the mix, Restalinen from Buffalo as well. I think they've improved themselves. And you're starting to see the trends of the, the defensemen that are, are moving more so. And that, to me, is, is a light that there's not a lot of available defensemen that are going to be game changers like some of these guys. But the trades that we're seeing don't come with a, a ton of cost to them. Uh, and, and I think there's a, a few teams out there that have, have done pretty well for themselves. In saying that Buchnevich gets traded by the New York Rangers and the Rangers don't get much back, they make the deal for Barkley Goodrow and then for a seventh round pick and then sign him to like an eight-year deal. So, I mean, the contract's a little ridiculous, but but there's a win. I think there's a few teams that have done all right for themselves. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Jets because they, they also got Nate Schmidt, right, from mm-hmm. Vancouver. So now your D, your D, which was a weakness, is now Dylan Schmidt, Pionk, Morrissey, Stanley DeMello. That's a pretty good six sure for is. Winnipeg. You know, Buchnevich replaces Tarasenko, I think, who's on the way out, right, in St. Louis. Um I actually like what the Rangers did because I thought they didn't have enough jam, right? So you get, you add a Sammy Blaze, you add a good row, and now you're a whole lot tougher to play against. But to make those deals work, I think Lafreniere, Capocaco, they need to step up now. Yeah. The young skill guys need to step up because I, I might be in the minority, but I like what the Rangers did there. Um, I hate what the Flyers did. I think they giving up a first rounder for Ristolainen is terrible, um, but I do like the deal for Ryan Ellis. The other team that I'm going to mention here is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Seth Jones didn't want to play for him. Get rid of the distraction right away, and you get another first rounder out of it. You get a pretty good young D in Adam Boakvist, and then you you get the draft with Kent Johnson, high up ceiling. Cole Sillinger, who some people had in the top five, you got him at 12, plus you added a D in the first round. So for a team that was lacking a lot in the pipeline with prospects, all of a sudden, the rebuild starts to get that much faster. Hello, Buffalo. Jack Eichel is a distraction. You might want to deal him sooner rather than later. Can you believe what we just saw? This is incredible. You know, guys, I got to be honest. We'll talk more hockey in a little bit, but time now for our play of the week, (laughs) picked by you, our listeners, and our social media followers, and this one wasn't even close. There's a fly ball into the gap, Springer on the right, oh, what a catch, George Springer's doing it all tonight. He left his feet and came down with the baseball. Fans, you are seeing why the Blue Jays threw the money out there at him, wanting to get him. 
George Springer looked like Superman making that catch in center field for the Blue Jays. But let me point out, Pat Tadler says, fans, you are seeing. And uh, there are people listening on radio. So well done, Pat. (laughs) It doesn't work on radio, does it? Just a little bit. You can see over here. You'll never see something like this again. While somebody's sitting on the 401 listening in their car. Yeah. Hell of a catch, though. Great route. Great catch. It was. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that was that was definitely my pick. We had a few good catches this uh, this year for uh, this week for play of the week. There were there was like three, but yet this one won like ninety two percent of the vote. Yeah, yeah, which was crazy. So our play of the week brought to you by London Awnings, quality that shows. And uh, you can look for our poll on uh, Mondays on our social media accounts. Again, Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram. You can vote on Twitter for your favorite play. You'll see all the plays attached to it as well, and you can make your pick. And then we will reveal uh, next week who has the play of the week. And now speaking of baseball, I wanted to get your thoughts on what happened in the Cubs-Reds game. I think we have... uh... A big new rivalry. On uh, Monday night, Javi Baez was uh, trash-talking Amir Garrett. Garrett ready deals. In the air, center field. Javi is just staring at that. And that is that. And Baez letting Garrett know. I mean, immediately a scream. And he is screaming right at Garrett. He is looking at Garrett, screaming at Garrett didn't get his attention but he's still talking and then he throws the bat right at him do you guys like seeing that emotion in baseball guys if you don't like seeing this just pick up take up knitting take up something (laughs) take up cribbage start doing sudoku puzzles it's a comeback for the chicago cubs against a a spicy player to begin with He's had issues with Amir before, and the Cincinnati Reds, as you mentioned, the Reds, the Cubs, who are a dying breed right now, fighting for some positioning in the National League. If you want this guy to hit the ball and just jaunt over to first base like it's a a leadoff single in the second inning, you're watching the wrong sport. Having said that, Javi Baez is a man, and he knows he's always been a fiery player. He knows that the next time these teams play, he's probably going to get one in his ear, and he's all right with that because this is the only way that he can play the game and this is the only way that he's effective. I'm so tired of watching boring, boring athletes. For for Major League Baseball, the worst thing that they have going for him, and God bless him, he's going to be, end of the day, one of the best players that's ever played in my life. Mike Trout is about as boring as the white walls behind me. And he's not even marketable at this point. He is just a nice guy. You have so many young players with so much flair and pizzazz and the Tatises and, and Baez and you know all this, this young energy that's coming up in baseball. That's where you're going to draw fans back to baseball. Not these long-ass three-and-a-half-hour games anyways, but this excitement, this, you know, that was a great walk-off. Andrew McCutcheon hits a walk-off for the Phillies. He's pumped up and jumping around. 
Akil Badu from the Tigers, who should be the American League Rookie of the Year this year, <laughs> hit a home run in losing 4 nothing in the fourth inning on Tuesday. He's pointing into the crowd. He's waving. He's on the road. It's a road game. There's nobody watching you out there, Akil Badu. Who are you pointing at in center field in Minnesota? But bring it on. It's part of the game. It's part of the excitement. It's really the only sport where the guys aren't jumping on each other when they score every time, like you do after you score a goal in hockey or score a touchdown in the NFL. Like It needs some sort of life to, to bring back into this game. I'm all for it. I hope Javi Baez gets thrown out in the next game in the lower leg, and then it starts up all over again because that's really where baseball is going to get a draw. And these guys have been, you said it, these guys have been going back and forth, Garrett and Baez have, for two months now. Yeah. Like, in the games that they've played. So, the one thing that I love about it is, as a fan of a team, don't you want your guys to want to win? Like, don't you want that passion in the players that are on your favorite team as a fan? To me, that's all Baez was doing. Yeah, Garrett lost this one against Baez. But the last time they met, Garrett won and struck yep. him out. Like, the back and forth, this is great. This is fantastic drama. I've always said that sports is the best drama. And and this is just it. I, I love it. Absolutely love it. You know, it's a night game. It's in Wrigley Field for the Chicago Cubs, a team that's on the fringe that in the next week could trade Chris Bryant, could trade... Javi Baez, if they really wanted to, could trade Anthony Rizzo, the guys that just brought them their first World Series in 645 years. Like, this is this could be the last real magical moment of this team before they have to rebuild with different guys. I mean, if, if that's just a, a squibber through the infield and he runs over to first base and they kind of giggly and, and jump around and, oh, they bring out the Gatorade again, like, sure, that it's going to be forgotten. But when you are basically yelling at the pitcher as you're going down the first baseline and ripping your shirt off after winning a game at first base. Yes, that's going to attract people to your game. Are you ready? And now it's time for Rapid Fire. And the baseball team formerly known as the Indians in Cleveland have a new name. They're the Cleveland Guardians. Do you guys like the name? I'm okay with the name. I'm okay with the written Guardians because it, it's the take on the way the Indians were written, just a different font. The G logo around the baseball is with the wings. A ho- that's a horrible minor league logo. And I think the worst part about it was that they got Tom Hanks, who's the most overrated actor <laughs> of all time, to voice the video. He's not even from Cleveland. He has no connection to Cleveland. But he's a guardian. Of what? I have no idea. Of of volleyballs, of Wilson made volleyballs. Yeah. <laughs> he's the protector of all the great movies he's been in when he's been the second best actor in them. It's it was a, it was just so strange that of all people you got Tom Hanks to do it. Come on, he he's he delivers it so passionately and so well. He's a great read. It was he a great sounds read. like a cowboy from my kids' animated movies. That's who he, he is. is. That's the he best is. role he's ever been in, and it's not even him. It's a drawing. Master that, producer John Rashad knows a good read when he hears one, and that was a <laughs> really good read. I'm with you. I I like the name, 
I don't like the G logo with the wings. But for those people who don't know, Guardian means something in Cleveland. They have these pillars, these statues that are called Guardians of Traffic. If you've ever been to Cleveland, they're there. They were built in like the 1930s. So the name actually means something to Cleveland, which is, I think, why I like the name. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. I was going to say, as a producer, the best uh, voiceover guys for actors these days, uh, Tom Hanks and Morgan Freeman. So See, there you go. Stop. Get off Tom's back already. So, <laughs> so you didn't even get a guy with a tie to your city and all you talked about how you guard your city. Stop. You want to Come find on. a list of... I'll find you a list of great Clevelandites that could have voiced that a hell of a lot better than, <laughs> than Tom Hanks. You're going to find a great list of great Clevelandites? Yep, there's probably a ton of them. (laughs) I just Googled it. Famous people born in Cleveland. Halle Berry is number one. Wow, that would be terrible. (laughs) She'd be pretty good, actually. DaBaby is number two. Don't know who that is. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, he's on the list for Pump It or Dump It. We got one of his... Yeah. Yeah, uh, He does the rap part in one of Dua Lipa's. Oh, that's your... Okay, that's your boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who? Like what? Phil Donahue? Look, Charles Oakley. He'd be hammered doing it. It'd be great. I don't even know if Phil Donahue's still alive, is he? I don't know. I, I, I have I, no I idea. I can't imagine who's, he is. Who's the host of The Prices right now? Isn't he from Cleveland? Drew Carey? Oh, uh, Drew, Drew Carey? Carey. Isn't he from Cleveland? Like, he, was, he can't uh, voice that. No, he would have been, he'd been a, a bad read. Right? <laughs> Tom Hanks is your choice. Give it up, Matt. What else you got, John? Horrifying <laughs> choice. Arsenio Hall. <laughs> Come Arsenio on. Hall from Cleveland. Get off it. You want to get the people Move on, up? John. Let's go, Arsenio Hall. Tom Hanks is going to be a guest on this show. Great. I'll call it <laughs> sick. Hey, Tom, wow. I thought the volleyball was outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, we lost John, everybody. We've lost John. We've lost right. John. Back to hockey. <laughs> um, Alex Ovechkin has signed a new five-year contract worth $9.5 million to play with the Washington Capitals. He has 730 goals. Wayne Gretzky has 894. Does Ovi break the record? Uh, I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm going to get Manny say that first. Go ahead. Yeah. I think he's going to do it. I think the average is, uh, somebody did the math, 33 goals a year. Like, I I think the next two years, he's probably 40-plus. So it puts less pressure on him at the back end when he's turning 39 and 40 to score those goals. Uh, my only concern for him is that Washington team is not going to be very good. And they're they're not going to be good for a while. So, look, we've said it all along, and we said this, Manny, when we watch Capitals games. The guy has scored 86% of his goals standing in the exact same spot, and teams still do not have the ability to stop him. If he's the only guy that's going to score on that team, maybe they find a way to stop him. (laughs) I'm not going to put my money on it that they're going to figure it out. I mean, does he have a little bit of uh, of Yager in him and is able to play for an extended period of time? Uh, You know, even after this five years, if he has to do it, I'm going to say no. I want him to do it. I'm going to say no. 
John, what do you think? I would. I actually. I did say no, but then now he signs a five-year contract. If he's planning on hanging around for five more years, I think he'll do it. I think he's got the will and uh, the determination. I just thought he might throw in the towel if uh, knowing Washington isn't going to be great for the next couple of years. I thought maybe he'd hang them up, but if he's planning on hanging around for five years, I think I think he could very well do it. This is the time for Alex Ovechkin to get selfish. I think he has accomplished everything he needs to in hockey. I think everybody knows that there's one thing. On his mind, and and I think this is the time for him to be selfish as a hockey player. He's well taken care of financially. He won a Stanley Cup. He's going to be known as one of the great leaders of the game. You, he's only got one thing that he's looking at now. Whatever he says, and there's nobody in in the league right now that I would question the the durability or the heart of of trying to achieve that goal is Alex Ovechkin. He's making nine and a half mil a year. To the age of 40. Yeah. It's a lot of coin. It's a lot of coin for a team that's losing players and, and not adding them, for sure. And uh, did you guys hear Kyle Dubas talk glowingly about the core of the Toronto Maple Leafs? I believe that uh, we're going to see the best version of this group uh, next season that we've seen yet. And um, I'm willing to bet, uh, bet everything on that. And does Dubas get fired if the Leafs don't make some noise this season? I think so. Like... You listen to that. I think he's going to go down with the ship. You know, they they need to make an impact in the playoffs for him to keep his job. He's he's ready to go down with the ship, boys. Yeah, and he will eventually. I do not think this year he gets fired if the Leafs do not perform uh, again. He has tied himself to these players and he paid these players for what they might do and not what they have done and with no credentials, so to speak, uh, ahead of time. It was a massive mistake. Uh, I've, ne- I, I've always been impressed by Kyle Dubas. I think they picked the wrong guy to be the GM at the time uh, when I think they should have gone with a guy like Mark Hunter. But I don't think he gets fired at the end of this year. I think Sheldon Keefe, it always kind of goes that way that the coach goes first, but he's already lost a coach, so he's in, in tough. I think they go one more year, and then probably at that point, if you can't move any of these guys and you're still pinned to it, then something's going to have to change. And the NFL has said games will be forfeited by teams with COVID-19 outbreaks if they can't be rescheduled. What do you guys think of that rule? I think it's fine. I think I think it's great. Like uh, the players that are upset about it, I saw DeAndre Hopkins and Jalen Ramsey say a few things about this. But um, listen, the league gave you an opportunity to opt out. You said no, and, and now they come up with these rules to say, okay, you're not opting out. These are the rules that we're going to play in. Let's let's not make a mistake. This is this is not a public enterprise. This is a private business. If you want to be a part of our business, these are the rules. You make really good money. You need to follow our rules. And and quite frankly, I think there are bigger health concerns in the National Football League, a.k.a. CTE, than taking the Pfizer shot for these football players. Yeah, and I was uh, reading an interesting article with Ron Rivera, the head coach of the Washington Redskins, who was talking about how extremely disappointed he's been by the members of his own team because he had what was it? He had a heart attack or he had bypass surgery, something like that. So he's, had, he's battling cancer. He had cancer. That's right. So he's an immune deficient 
individual and there is a it is a less than 50% rate that Washington Redskins players uh, have been have been taking this shot or, or protecting themselves and, and supporting their coach. Uh, I think that's a, a terrible look for, for that organization, you know, the Washington football team, I should say. I apologize. And Aaron Rodgers has reported a training camp in Green Bay after the offseason drama. So too has Deshaun Watson in Houston. But the Texans are willing to listen to offers and are looking for five pieces, including three first-round picks. Would you guys make that trade knowing his legal issues? No. Not a, not a chance. No, like sooner or later, he's going to have to pay the piper here. So your team's going to be without a star QB who you gave up three first round picks for is and five pieces, whether they're other picks or NFL ready players like, no, you're not doing you're not giving away your franchise for one player, even if it is a quarterback dominant league. Yeah, and that's just it. The good teams in the NFL have their quarterbacks. It is a position that is unquestionably maybe the most valuable position to their sport in any of the major sports. So if you're a good team, you don't need a quarterback. If you're a bad team, you can get one through the draft and it doesn't cost you anything other than just being a bad team. Why would you bother putting three first-round picks and NFL-ready players on the line for a guy who's only got a contract for two more years, I believe, so you're really trading first-round picks past the time that he may even stay at your organization and dealing with all the extra stuff that you have to deal with when Deshaun Watson is part of that package. I never thought Aaron Rodgers was going to get traded. That was a smokescreen to me. That was I don't even think they ever had discussions with another team. I don't think he was ever going anywhere. And I didn't think Deshaun Watson is either because the Texans are in a terrible spot where they have a guy who is a difficult trade right now and are clearly asking for the world. I think there are GMs who are going to get in their own way and make a terrible trade here. I just hope it's not my team because I wouldn't make that deal. And again, you don't want somebody like this on your team. Some college football now. Texas and Oklahoma want to move to the SEC from the Big 12. Do you guys think having all of the big schools in one conference is a good idea? No. You're creating two different football leagues. And in this case, college football leagues. Like what happens to the Big 12? They just die by the wayside. I think this is terrible for college football. I've never understood the conferences. I don't know why there's different other than just different regions of conferences. To me, this t- this ties into the playoff and how many teams are coming out of each conference. With the idea that all of these teams, and we're talking about Texas A&M, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, LSU, now possibly Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, we've you're going to have to create this college football playoff, which you know they're going to do, into an 8 or 12 or 16 team league when it doesn't really matter. You can't bring one team from the Big Ten and three teams from the the SEC because now there's seven really good teams. Now, would this be entertaining college football to watch every week? Absolutely. Does college football have an issue with getting people to watch? Absolutely not. So it doesn't make a ton of sense. But to me, it's just opening the doors for expanding this game, which they're inevitably going to do. Yeah, but they could have expanded it without having these two teams join the SEC. Like, 
it doesn't make sense to me. It makes every other conference like less entertaining, which which is which college football doesn't want. They want every game to mean something, right? And in this case, every game's only going to mean something in one conference, not the rest of the country. Doesn't make sense. And are you guys watching the Olympics in Tokyo? First time I watched was Kylie Moss's race on Monday night. Good old LaSalle girl uh, got a silver medal. This close, this close, inches away from winning a gold. Uh, I know Matt and I had a great celebration the last time she medaled in 2016. Um, I was hoping to do that again Monday night. But still, silver, nothing to sneeze at. Penny Alexiak wins another medal again. She's fantastic. Canada's, I think at the time of this recording, is nine medal wins, all from women. Like, how great is that? Oh, it's been it's been really, really cool. Uh, I haven't watched much, uh, if not other than uh, highlights. I did catch the open, opening ceremonies and watched a little bit of that at the breakfast table um, with, the, uh, with the kids that day. I haven't watched much. I haven't tracked much. Again, I'm not a big Olympics guy, but I think it's awesome to see uh, the Canadian women doing what they're doing. And uh, season two of Ted Lasso has been released on Apple TV. Has you guys have you guys watched it yet? Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm waiting to uh, to get the invite from from Manny. We burned through season one in about two and a half nights, and a roller coaster of emotions in season one. We'll see what season two has in store. Have you seen season one, John? No, not yet. Actually, we don't have Apple TV, so we have to get it. You gotta watch it. Great season. It Great. is. It Great is. start to the season. I hear it's no 90 Day Fiance, though, right? <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> have you seen, Rashad, do you have Netflix? Yep. Have you watched... Netflix. Yep, yep. Sexy Beasts, is it Sexy Beasts or something like that? It was... What? It was number five in Canada uh, last Saturday. So the lady and I got into the, the red wine and started watching uh-huh. this and it's it's these people that are going out on 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 dates that are wearing the most elaborate ridiculous looking masks oh i've seen that and oh wow and like they're can you fall in love with someone based on their personality and then at the end there's the big reveal of what they actually look like and stuff we started watching it just to see what it was like nobody says anything when we're in the middle of of episode 3 the end of episode three to decide we're all in. Watch the full episodes, and then when when it ended, we didn't even realize that there was only like six episodes of this thing. So it just stopped and was starting to go into the next show. And we're like, well, wait, 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 what, what, what happened to the what happened to the beasts? So I recommend it. I think if you guys like Ninety Day Fiance, <laughs> take, take a look at the idiots that are on this show. It's fantastic. Oh my gosh, I'm not spending a minute watching that thing. I just Googled this. It looks terrifying. These it's look, and these it's people Saw are, 7. But you know what's great, Rashad, is that some of these people make out in these outfits. Oh, come on. They I'm don't. telling you. I'm telling they you. They don't. I'm telling you. They're, they're making out. Listen, one guy does look like the Saw guy. Oh, yeah. One guy does you look should, like the Saw you guy. You should say the like i don't know if they if the if netflix counts in the emmys but if you're going to give costume oh, design to anybody sexy beast is going to get a very early nomination unbelievable Terrible. stuff 
That looks like the hottest thing I've seen since Avatar. <laughs> it's fantastic. James Cameron's got nothing on sexy beasts. Terrible. James Cameron could have voiced that spot Stop as well it. instead of Tom Hanks, <laughs> Cleveland Indians. Oh, just to double back before we get into our next feature, um, I was going to mention if you are wanting to watch the Olympics but you don't want to put in the necessary time to uh, <laughs> to watch all the events, if you download the uh, CBC Olympic app, they'll text you when a Canadian has a chance at winning a medal, and you turn it on right then, watch them win the medal, and oh, go that's back to whatever cool. you were doing before. So, John, you've done this. You've been watching yes. 90 Day Fiance. Your phone gets an alert. You take a break, watch the race, and then go back to watching 90 Day Fiance. That's you- exactly what we did the other night. <laughs> we only have one big TV in my house, okay? You kill me. Oh, my. Pause it, pause it, honey. Pause it, pause it, pause it. <laughs> Yay, we win. All right. Are they going out on their date or not? <laughs> Unbelievable. (laughs) And so once again, back by popular demand, Pump It or Dump It. And this is the new song from Post Malone. And Kiefer wants to know if we will pump it or dump it. Kiefer, this is by far the worst song (laughs) we have ever done on Pump It or Dump It. This is absolute trash. This even is, worse than the country song that we this had. This is not day? even Post Malone singing. I actually like Post Malone. The first thing I did when I started listening to this is, who the hell is this guy? It actually is different voice, right? Like they yeah. did something to his voice for this. You want me to listen to synthesized Post Malone <laughs> and say pump it? Kiefer. Kiefer, be better than this, Kiefer. Like, when the song picks up, I don't mind it, actually. So I'll, I'll pump it a little bit. Oh, man, I'll be uh, I'll be out for chips when you start pumping that one. John, are you are you pumping or dumping? I got to dump. I, I got to dump it. I, I like Post Malone, and I like Post Malone's voice, and I was, like, mad. I was like, what the heck so is going I, on here? Until about the 2.30 mark, I was like, I thought this was a duet. Like, when does Post Malone actually start singing? Who's you Lemonade? Like Mot- what the hell is Lemonade? What does this mean? <laughs> you like Motley Crue more so than this Post Malone. <laughs> Motley, <song>. Crue is, <laughs> Motley Crue is awesome. <laughs> I love Thunderstruck. <laughs> oh, man. Before you send a message, he's kidding. He yes, knows. He knows. <laughs> Don't say that. I can just, people on their phones right now just DMing us or sending an email right now. Unbelievable. Uh, And that does it for Rapid Fire. It didn't really make me mad, but I just made everybody else mad. Yeah, you pissed everyone else off who was listening in on the show. That's right. Yeah, send your angry emails to uh, Matt at fourfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. Yeah, we want to thank our sponsors again. London Awnings, quality that shows. And we want to thank Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor, specializing in sport training and nutrition. And I'm not even going to piss Shane off, so leave him alone this time. (laughs) He did reach out. He was one of those people who reached out after the last episode. Yes. Apparently, he didn't like our number rating so much. 
<laughs> so uh, we love hearing from the feedback from our fans during the conversation. <laughs> and our sponsors, apparently. <laughs> So is he still a sponsor? Should we uh, pull that off? Yeah, he's still for now. Still for now. (laughs) And uh, remember, there's no OT this week, so just one episode this week. But we will be back next week for our next episode. And thank you so much for listening to For Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their MO for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard... One of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.